dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hey, listeners. This episode is Father Michael's, and he talks about expanding the tent based on, um, inspired by the Synod on Synodality. On? Of. On. On Synodality. No one's answering me. Okay. And he goes into the, we go into the importance of being in relationship with people as they enter more deeply into the church. And this concept of utilizing the narthex, which is kind of a forgotten tradition of our church. I'm sorry uh, for the first 10 minutes of the topic in which I'm interrupting Father Michael every five seconds because I'm so funny and making him forget what he was talking about. If you are a hashtag banter hater, you'll want to skip ahead seven minutes and 45 seconds after this introduction. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to him forever. Hello, Mother. Hello, Father. Hello, Emma. Hello. That's Emma. Emma, what's your last name? My last name is Geis. Geis. Oh, I've seen your name pop up on the uh, on the emails. Yes, for when I was planning to stop over here. Mm-hmm. Ah. Yeah. and also for when I was I was a guest on Emma's podcast, cause the Cause for Joy podcast, yeah. and so we arranged that through the email as well. Excellent. What what is the what is the Cause for Joy? Is that Jesus or is that something else? Well, I mean, Mother Natalia was, you know, the cause for her episode. <laughs> On that episode. You know. <laughs> but no, it is Jesus, right? And how, how when we live a life for our Lord, the joy that he gives us, right? And uh, we talk about teachings of the church, but also how do you grow spiritually and uh, building that relationship with the Lord and then being joyful missionary disciples. So it's, Amen. it's a little bit of catechesis and formation, but then motivation to, to be disciples in, in the world. So, And their logo mm-hmm. is the Theotokos burning bush. It oh, is. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. We are going to, we are thinking about, what were we, we're going to do something weather with that. We're going to use that icon on something. I suppose we're going to steal from Emma. Are you yeah, making you a, that. are you making a joke? No, I'm totally, okay. I'm totally, I'm I mean, I'm it's a kind of fart. part of our logo. You're right. It is part of our logo. <laughs> Maybe that's, I, I Maybe that's knew what you're that. But honestly, yeah. if this makes you feel better, um, I had forgotten that it was part of our logo because it's so subtle until the last time we were talking about the burning bush and how much I love the burning bush. You were like, yeah, that's mm. why we made it part of our logo. And I was like, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> um, so. Yeah. I don't know. I, somebody, Libby Reichert. Um, Shout out to I Libby, forgot. who's amazing. Shout out to Libby, who is amazing. She, she made fun of me the other day of my Hi. forgetfulness. And I forget what it was. Oh, I called literally. <laughs> That's so I, I know what it was. I know what it was. So there was, normally we have our cantor. So people start receiving the Eucharist and the cantor will start singing either the continuation of the communion psalm or a communion hymn or something like this. But but nobody came up to hold the other side of the cloth. So we had one altar mm. server on Wednesday night. Nobody came up. So he came up to hold the other side of the cloth. So he couldn't sing because he didn't have the book in front of him. So there was this awkwardness where I think people are used to hearing a hymn. So they don't, they come up when, when the cantor starts singing. Since no, since the cantor didn't start singing, everybody just kind of stood stood where they were. <laughs> and so I I needed to like, say something liturgically appropriate to get the first person to start walking up to receive. I look out and Frank's there. Frank has been here since day one. Frank, Frank comes to attentive. everything. <laughs> exactly. Frank Frank is is a core parishioner, been here forever, and he's in the front row. And I go, 
really loud to make sure, because he's, you know, a little bit older, to make sure he can hear me. And I go, the servant of God, Fred, receives the precious most holy. <laughs> and like, they all just look at me like, who's Fred? <laughs> oh, that's really funny. And it's so me. And I'm like, I'm literally like trying to make a point. Like I'm going to do something really loud so he can hear me. Everybody knows, go ahead and come to start receiving. And everyone and hears you. They're all like, they all heard me. And who's Fred? And then, and then like halfway through the prayer, I stop because he realizes that I'm talking about him. He comes up and I stop and I go, excuse me, the servant of God, Frank. <laughs> and then afterwards, it was like, of course, we get around the fire pit afterwards and everybody's just like, again, really, Father Michael? Because there was a time when I, when I, was, I think I told you this, Mother, I was trying to, to say Andrew for Whaley. I was Whaley. there. Mother was there, Emma, and, and I, and I, <laughs> I forgot. I, I, I went to say his name and I couldn't think of anything. I couldn't even, like, this is, I've known this guy for years. And I just yelled out, years. you live with him. <laughs> This is my housemate right now as he's building a coffee shop. And so I can't think of the name at all. And then mother just scares me and intimidates me. So I have to say something. So I scream out Anthony, which is definitely not his name either. But it does start with the same letter, which is supposedly a thing with me. Um, And so then Libby, what did Libby say? Libby said something after I did that. She said, oh, I think that's what she remembered. And she brought up again, me forgetting Whaley's name. Oh, that's great. Uh, Libby, so um, I already knew Libby was amazing. But then uh, when she was visiting this past weekend, uh, I I had been asked to write an article for Horizons, which is our Berkey newsletter. And um, I like panic at the thought of having to write anything. I'll I'll just stare at the blank screen for like an hour before I type anything. It's so overwhelming, right? Like I've shared before that part of the reason I went to an engineering school is because they didn't require an application essay. And uh, so I'm panicked about this, especially because I find out that he wants a thousand words and I was expecting like 200. Um, And a thousand words is a lot uh, like for an engineer. (laughs) And so I'm, is it a lot for you too, Father Michael? Where are you raising No, I have a suggestion. Oh. Um, so you make fun of me all the time for doing voice to text, uh-huh. but you could do that. Okay, so you could literally say a thousand words into your phone, and then edit with all it. the punctuation, even, and then edit it in writing. So you're pretty good at talking. So then Libby, uh, Libby was like asked if I'd ever thought of doing like voice to text, um, and then she was like. And then she, you're just so shocked that you had the same good idea as Libby. Um, I did. And <laughs> and then she says she was like, or what if like what if you just you just talk you just talk and I'll sit there and I'll be your scribe and then I'll string the things oh, together Libby. and I'll and I was like that sounds horrible for you and she was like I love doing things like that it's so much fun and I was like uh, okay so that's actually what we did I just sat I I just like stood in the kitchen and rambled for like 15 or 20 minutes and Libby just made it into an article that makes me sound smart and it's like just incredible. She's like, it's fun when you're doing it for someone else, you know? And I was like, no, no, I don't know. That doesn't sound fun to me (laughs) at all. Like in no way does that sound fun to me. Um, So So Libby, I don't don't want to give it out yet because I haven't asked her, but Libby's an amazing writer. She's a PhD in moral theology, Um, but she's but she's an amazing writer and she's going to have a website soon. I think we actually, we already mentioned, didn't we mention it when she was on? I think we mentioned her website. I it's like, don't remember. 
I think it's called like nobody nobody likes a moral theologian or something like that. No, I don't um, think so. .com. Um anyway, what whatever it is, but it, it's it's she is an amazing writer, so I hope you gave her co-writing credits. Um she, I don't think she oh, I okay. didn't. Okay. <laughs> I don't think she wanted that though. She was pretty excited about it not being her name. Oh, so okay. that was part of the appeal right. for her. Very good. Well. Because then she didn't have to be as much of a perfectionist. Okay. Which I was like, great. All right. Speaking of perfectionist, um Really? No. Okay. Um, that was a, that was a very awkward, awkward transition and attempted at an awkward transition. I'm lending you some of my awkwardness um, for the day. Yeah. I'm gonna call this episode <clears throat> cause of our frustration. And it's <laughs> and <laughs> it's Mother Natalia. <laughs> it's <about> Mother Natalia. <laughs> okay. Fine. Um just kidding. You um, just know I'm just super insecure these days. Please yeah. keep going. Keep going. <laughs> I'll pray for you. Um, the uh, I'm gonna. I don't know what I'm gonna call this. Maybe like tent or something like that. Anyway, so remember how I mentioned Mother when we were gonna record last week that I was gonna do. I actually you asked me, which is very unusual. I thought it was unusual. I almost didn't give you an answer. You asked me what my topic was gonna be when we recorded again, and that's mm-hmm. normally. We don't normally ask that because we don't normally say that, but I did. I decided to share it with you. So I'm glad you asked. I'm glad I shared because. Um, my topic has been built upon this past week. Ooh. I thought I was going to record last week, and then you got long-winded with the eight evil thoughts, and so we um, we did two instead. And so now I'm doing it again. But which I is literally funny because just, I already prepared you that for the next episode, which we were supposed to share. I was like, yeah, I might just not let you talk because <laughs> I have a yeah, lot that's to that's perfectly fine. You're you're the star of this podcast anyway. Um, uh, the uh, I'm just the male voice. Um, when I was on Catholic stuff, I was kind of just the laugh track. <laughs> Because like global was so funny, um, so now I'm just like now I'm just the the male voice to round it out. Um, just kidding. Um, I, I have a lot of pride. I'm not I'm not like self conscious at all in this way. So um, where was I? Oh, so the topic that I shared with you just yesterday, and this shows how up to date I am on current Catholic events. Just yesterday, an article came out that I came across on Twitter about the synod on synodality and the the stage we're in now, where we're heading into, is the continental stage. So I guess it started with like local, local uh, sessions, and then now it's in the continental stage, which I'm guessing means um, what bacon, eggs, oatmeal, something like that. Um, but more than that, it means like you're really pleased that Emma's kind of laughing back there. Uh, she is. She is trying to not to laugh out loud, which is even <laughs> funnier to me. <laughs> Because like you've intimidated her so much that she's afraid to laugh at my jokes. That's the second time like, on this podcast you call me intimidating, and I'm not intimidating at all. You're I will a, have to say, a lot of times I listen to your episodes when I'm out walking, and I will laugh out loud <laughs> as I'm walking. So. Maddie said the same thing. She's like, Thank people you. probably just think I'm a crazy person. Yep. <laughs> Now you guys, now you guys see that what I had to deal with. You're here in person, Emma, and you have to like. I have to. I have to continue to make jokes when I get zero affirmation. She about didn't them say that all. it was your jokes that she was laughing at. She just said <laughs> while listening to the podcast, she laughs. I try not to play favorites here. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, so, where was I going with this? See, this is this is why I shouldn't. Continental. Oh, continental. We're in the continental so continental which means like like right. It started locally. Now it's continentally, and it, and then it'll go. You know, did you know it's been extended for a year, Mister Worldwide? Um, yes, I did. So now it's like I two know because I listen to Vatican News now. All right, so um, and I don't, and that that's why I was so glad it came across. I should, 
Um, I did just though on Twitter. I did just. I guess you can do like Twitter sections or something like that where you can just moderate. What I have like a news section. I have Vatican. Va on there. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, that's the that's a, the podcast I listen to. I didn't know it was a podcast. They have I one, have and it's that. fourteen minutes a day, and I do it because Bishop Milan wants us to. Okay, I Hashtag will take obedience. his advice as well. Um, so the okay, so the the subject of or the title of this phase of the Sinan Sinodality is enlarge the space of your tent. Which is from which book of the Bible, Mother? I'm just kidding. I'm knocking three under the bus. I would not. You have known are. This. I would not have known this an hour ago. Um, Emma knows. <laughs> uh, does she? So in in <laughs> in in the in the happy part of the prophecy of Isaiah, which is the last part, in the happy part, um, I think it's fifth in the fifties. Um, God tells Isaiah to expand the space of your tent. And it, it's referring to Doctor Who. Um, that would be funny. <laughs> expand the space of your. I've never seen a single episode of Doctor Who, but isn't it like the inside of the phone it's booth? Bigger is bigger. It's bigger yes, on the inside. It's bigger on the inside. The TARDIS, yeah. Um, so, so there's a. So expand the. So it's in there, and pretty much what this means is is we Christians, of course, understand this as a literally ex- expand the influence of God's chosen people to include the Gentiles. And that of course happens in Christ. So there, there's this expansion of the, the home, the dwelling place of God, the chosen people of God, et cetera. From Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 58. Um, now this, this, keeping this in mind, um, I, as I told you mother last week, there were two other experiences I had that that I wanted to bring up that that are going to kind of inform my thought on this podcast, and it all fits very very well with the synod and with this topic, um, with this title of this stage of the synod on synodality. So, um, I went to Casita, which is one of my restaurants I go to here in Los Angeles, and uh, and I was there and with Whaley and our bartender um, after serving is that us drinks. Anthony and- Whaley. Yes, exactly. That 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 Anthony Whaley. Um, our bartender gets off work and comes around and sits. So like, so that I'm in the middle and and he's on one side and Whaley's on the other side. Now, um, th- um, he and Whaley just start talking about the both of them took care of their mother for like at least a year while she was dying. Mm-hmm. And so they had these kind of heart-wrenchingly beautiful stories about a son, um, I mean, washing, wiping, everything, like really taking care of the physical needs of a dying mother for an extended period of time. And and so I'm listening to these these men talk about like how much beautifully, what a beautiful burden and a beautiful inconvenience um, happened in their life. And that was very fitting, of course, because their mothers took care of them when they were little, et cetera. Um, and at some point, obviously the guy knows I'm a priest and he uh, he starts talking about, you know, which happens a lot when people meet a priest, spiritual life and stuff. And he says, you know, I've gotten away from any sort of spiritual life. My, I think he's half Mexican. So he says, my Mexican mom, of course, raised us, tried to raise us in the faith um, and things like this. So then I just pull out my card and I give him my card. And, and he says, he looks at it and he sees Catholic on there and he goes, um, well, okay, I need to ask you a question. Um, I'm gay. I've been married five years um, to my partner and we live with his mother 
who who is I think non-denominational or something like this, and so she she disagrees with our lifestyle, but we she lives with us. We take care of her here in L.A., et cetera. And then pretty much the conversation it wasn't we didn't move on this quickly, but he goes, you know, what like what do you think about that? Kind of what what's your reflection on what I just said? If I'm looking for a spiritual home, which is a great question, and obviously happens quite often with people. Um, it, it usually doesn't start off with I'm looking for a spiritual home will you take me you know type thing it's usually just a a I'm not looking for a spiritual home because I know that you're bigoted mm-hmm. in this way um so this was a very interesting yeah, question it sounds so, like there's an actual openness there that's very exactly like, exactly he wasn't, and, 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 he wasn't just trying to instigate or provoke he's like actually asking you um, very much yeah. so very much so 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 he says this so then so my answer is because i thought you know there's this is a this needs to be a weekly conversation for an hour a week for a year and a half to kind of get get to the the core of where we both agree you know we we need to take 20 steps back to talk about what, what exactly the why you're asking this and why i am Having to kind of give very surface answers while also get to know you more than know your exact situation and then what I can offer you. But what I said was there is there's various degrees of participation within the church. Um, and I said, you know, you can come and I just, I know I'll get to these things in a moment. You, you, these are the things you, we'd love to have you for this, this, and this. Um, you know, I think he, at one point he says, will, will we feel welcomed? And I said, I said, yes. Like, like, like we, you're, you're not the only person that, that, that is coming here that is, is living a, a lifestyle that is, is not, um, like open to the fullness of the faith, right? Um, what that means. So, um, and then I just said, you know, once once you get to the point in this process where we're talking about receiving the Eucharist, then we're going to have a then it's going to be a deeper question, right? So, um, I, I don't know else how to I don't know how else to phrase it. And I think I did a pretty good job for literally having met this guy that night, and we're mm-hmm. sitting at a bar and having a conversation, and I just handed him my card. I don't know what I else could have did could have done differently. Hey, keep in touch about this. Um, but it got me thinking. And then a couple nights later, I went to a Death Cab for Cutie concert with um, shout out to Madi and Robert Varis, um, absolutely amazing couple. She's a, a physician, pregnant with their first baby, eight months along. We went to a concert, and uh, they bought me a vinyl record of. Um, of one of their CDs, plans, um, and I now I need a record player, which I've <laughs> mentioned before. Stop but doing I, this. I have a record. Um, my address is five three two nine Sepulveda Boulevard. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, the uh, <laughs> um, so anyway, we go there, and so Madi goes to bed, I'm and Robert shameless. and I, <laughs> Robert and I, stay up till four in the morning. Cigar whiskey in his backyard. Thank God I was crashing there. Um, Four in the morning, smoking, drinking, and talking. Like this man is such an amazingly deep thinker. I texted both of them the next day, and I said that that was one of the best conversations I've had in a long time. But we talked about this thing, and Robert was so funny. Like we sat down with our cigars and whiskey in his backyard, and it just felt like we have to talk about really deep things right now. Like this is this is what we do. So he's like, "So what deep things are we going to talk about?" Something like that. And I said, "Well, what's on my mind right now?" And I kind of after meeting this guy, I thought, and so. Anyway, we got talking about it. He gave he gave me some great ideas, but but my my understanding of what we do in situations like this actually expanded a bit that night and through further things. So this is what I want your feedback on, Mother and Emma too, of course. Um, 
we have this in the tradition of the church. We have a a certain levels of participation because you have, of course, the holy place behind the iconostas. This is where the priest, the altar servers, subdeacons, deacon, obviously anybody who's ordained to be back there can be back there. Um, this is a participation where everybody else, um, traditionally, at least in, in most traditions, um, that would be a place of great mystery what happens back there is not even seen by everybody. What happens back there is is so much of a, a mystery and a sacrament that there's a certain, it's veiled, it's hidden. Then you have the nave. And in the nave is where the Eucharist and the gospel come out to be preached. But this is where most people stand. Um, obviously, this would have been the place of sacrifice in the old Jewish temple, whereas behind the icon of house would have been the Holy of Holies. You have the nave. This is where, where the people that are, are the faithful. Here's where the faithful are. Here's where the people that are praying um, together as a community, the one body in Christ and are preparing to hear the word of God and to receive the Holy Eucharist and to participate in the presence of God here in this temple. Then you have the narthex, which would be the entryway. This is where like the court of the Gentiles in the Old Testament temple, this is where people would be if they're either catechumens um, or I imagine not interested at all, just you know, um, people that are, are curious about what's going on. And this would also be penitents, people who used to be in the nave, um, stand in the nave, but they, they're because of sin or, or something like this, voluntary or involuntarily, voluntary said, would stand in the narthex and would not come in the nave. So it's built into our tradition to have various levels of participation. I think the problem is, is that most Americans in this kind of egalitarian culture, um, that any sort of separation like that is seems so offensive. Um, there was this great article that came out yesterday that I read on on why our bishops don't do excommunications, and it was it was actually really well done. Like, why don't our bishops excommunicate people anymore? Like, I know Bishop Olmsted did it in in Phoenix like ten years ago, and and like when anybody thinks of a bishop excommunicating someone, that's what they think of. <laughs> they think of him ten years ago because mm-hmm. uh, there was a hospital led by a nun who who were doing abortions or at least sending women to have abortions, like. And and so there's all these excommunications that happen just by the sin itself. But but the question for this article was why aren't people doing it, doing excommunications? And pretty much it was because nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like like in other words, if, if somebody if a bishop says to you you're excommunicated, they're gonna laugh it off. Most people are, you know. Oh, I don't care if I'm excommunicated or not, you know. And or they'll just they'll just go to the next diocese over, or they'll just go to a priest within that diocese who will still give them the Eucharist because excommunication basically means no communion, no Eucharist. So, um, but but he this article gave I'll I'll, I'll dig it up and I'll, I'll I'll put it in the notes. But this article gave various reasons why the bishop should be doing excommunications anyway. Um, one is to notify the person that they should not be receiving the Eucharist, to notify the other people, including the priest, that they should not be giving the Eucharist, um, but also to provide hope, hope to come back in because it is true. And I can tell, and almost I guarantee you, almost every priest that has been serving for more than a year has heard someone say, I spent a long part of my life, and I've shared this before, a long part of my life um, believing I could not come to church ever. I had done such horrible things that I was going to hell. There was no coming back. And and the point of this article was when you actually excommunicate someone, that there's this 
there's this secondary meaning of you can be communicated again. The whole reason we're doing this is not to punish you, but it's to bring you back. It's mm-hmm. to separate you from the community, as St. Paul says very explicitly, so that you will be drawn back to the community. So the whole point of this is that you may come back. And sometimes people need that official authoritative um, invitation, but the invitation comes through, you can't come back unless it's authentic. So in other words, you have situations like, as I preached in the homily recently, if, if, if the word of God, if the kingdom of God, if heaven was literally like a legal document, if, 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 it, if we had a legal document that came from God that said, if you do this, you'll go to heaven. If you do this, you will not go to heaven. If you do this, and, and if I had this document and if I hid it from people, that would be evil. I shared this recently. If I hit it from, that would be evil. Here's the secret to heaven and happiness. I'm not going to give it to you. That would be evil and wrong. Even it would, it would seem like a punishment. But if, if rather it's not a legal document, but a relationship with, with the person of Jesus Christ, then it's very different. And then there are certain things like any relationships, any vulnerability, any intimacy, any risk that happens in every single relationship where there are certain things that are held back. This is what modesty is, right? There are certain things that are held back because too much vulnerability is going to lead to being overwhelmed by something, misunderstanding the depth of this, and, and can certainly lead to the abuse of any relationship relationship. Absolutely. So, so when, when we excommunicate people, what we're saying is, is we're doing this so that you come back and we're going to do whatever we can to get you to come back. But, the, but the vulnerabilities have been abused, right? What do we say in, in the prayer before Eucharist? Um, I will not reveal your mystery to your enemies, right? We need to be careful, not for the sake of the mystery, but for the sake of the enemy, right? We do that the mystery, Jesus can handle himself. He can handle himself. We're doing this for the sake of the enemy. We're doing this for the sake of the person who, who unless they are separated, a boundaries put up and certain bound, healthy boundaries are, are put up so that the person isn't brought into an intimacy that they can't handle yet, don't know yet, don't respect yet, don't appreciate yet. That's what these things are for. So, um, so this is why there there needs to be an excommunication. Um, Can I cut in? I've been talking a lot. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Okay. Please. Um, so as as you're sharing this, I'm I'm struck by I think what you're saying is right about the like I think you handled well uh, what the man was asking you, and by just like giving him your card and saying you know like the indication of I would like relationship is really important because I think part of the problem is that, you know, it's what we've talked about before of you have to earn the right to be heard in our society today. You know, we talked about this with Andrew Whaley when he mm-hmm. was on the, when he had the the coffee shop podcast. Um, and I think that there's something <clears throat> to be said for, you can say all of those things that you said just now um, about the reason for excommunication, about the invitation back and about how we're doing this for the good of the person being excommunicated and all of that. Um, But if there's not relationship there and they don't trust in the authority, then, then their response is simply one of who are you to say what's good for me? Like I know what's good for me more than you do Um, because if they don't have relationship and I don't even mean necessarily one-on-one relationship, but even a relationship with the hierarchy of the church. Like if I don't trust that that Bishop has my good in mind, then whatever he does for my good, I'm not going to see as that way. And so I'm just going to see it as some sort of like um, power play or some sort of 
um, like oppression or something like that, um, which is going to make me only want to revolt even more. Like I'll show you, I'll go to the next diocese over where that Bishop isn't going to make me do this. Um, but I think, so, so I think that it has to start with relationship, which is what, what you said. And, and it's what we've said on this podcast many times, but then second, secondly, um, because like, this is what Jesus did, right? Like he, he ate with tax collectors and sinners. He didn't invite them into the Holy of Holies or something like that, but he, but he did um, engage in relationship with them and he encountered them. And it was that encounter and that experience of love that converted hearts. Um, and he spoke the convicting things, but to those who knew that they were loved. You know, this is like the story of the rich young man um, when it says in Mark's rendition, which is why we have the tradition that this rich young man may have been St. Mark, is that in in Mark's account of the story of the rich young man, um, when um, it says that Jesus looking at him loved him, like he knew by his very look that he was loved. So I think all of that is really important. And then the other aspect of it is like, we can say, well, it simply is a matter of like, we we believe that sin by its very essence separates. Maybe essence isn't the right word. I don't know philosophical terms, but um, sin um, separates, right? It causes division um, just inherently. And so we can say that and that's fine. But if the person we're saying that to doesn't agree that this is a sin, then we're not even talking with common terms. And so we might even agree with them that sin separates, but if they're not convinced that this thing is a sin, then what does that matter, right? Uh, And so that's why relationship, I think that's the other reason that it has to start with relationship and with, we have to be using common terms where we mean the same thing by the terms. Um, So that's another. So I think like those hurdles have to be kind of overcome before it's even a question of... um, yeah, which is why I, I think that you're right to say, you know, like, you'll be very welcome. And I've been to your parish. Like, if if he came even with his partner, like, I know that the parishioners there would welcome, maybe not all mm-hmm. of them, because there's always, you know, certain. But, like, if he comes on a Wednesday night, like, they will welcome him, and they will love mm-hmm. him, and he'll have a great time at the the bonfire after liturgy. Um, and, um, but then as you advance further, like, there is something to be said for... Um, like what do you what do you mean when you're asking to receive communion? Because it's not meaning the same thing as when exactly. we're giving communion. Exactly, and that's a really good point. The, that definition of terms, and I think, I think the the struggle that the church right now is having with this synod on synodality is to say this exact question. Um, what does it mean to expand the tent? I, I think the document, I only read a couple articles on the document. I haven't read the document yet. I will do that. But um, pretty much it says the, the, the pegs of the tent need to remain um, solidly in the ground. But, but I think it even says well, like the ground can move. I mean, it's, 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 a very, it's just an interesting image. Like the, the ropes and the, the fabric of the tent can expand, can grow, but, but like the ground can move. Anyway, I, 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 I don't, I don't generally trust this part of the process. Um, um, <laughs> I'm really glad to hear uh, you admit that. On the I, 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 I don't, uh, so, so I, it'll be interesting to see. Like, I'll participate in it, 
as much as I think, and I, I I'm very much looking forward to seeing um, what comes of it um, in the end when when the Holy Spirit is able to work in in His fullness. Um, so anyway, thank you, Mother. That that was actually very very helpful to what I'm trying to say. Um, these hurdles need to be overcome. But because my question is 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 does the tent does the tent expand to those who who don't agree, like who have a very different and intentionally different view from what they're receiving than than what is we believe we are giving out. I really like how you said that, right? There's a difference in understanding between what I, what the church who is who is giving out the body of Christ through the sacraments, what they think is happening um, is is different than those who are coming up to receive. And, and that needs to be remedied. That needs to be reconciled. That needs to be brought together. Um, so here, I don't think, I think a parish can do, have like a both and type experience, both hands. So we have the, we have the tradition of the church that says you, if, if you're, if you are not going to receive the Eucharist, if you're not in communion with the church for whatever reason, whether you're a penitent or a uh, catechumen or a someone who is, is just curious, I'm trying to think what's, what's the word that, that the church traditionally uses for someone before they're a catechumen, a inquisitor. Like if you're inquisitor, like if you're any of these things. Not inquisitor. Inquisitor is the one who's questioning. Inquirer? Yes. <laughs> like Inquirer. the grand inquisitor is the, the one. The grand inquisitor, <laughs> the, the one who's just like, like, like kicking everybody out of the narthex of what that would be. Um, no, the, this was a really thing, joyful moment inquirer. for me because usually I'm the one who says the really weird things that you're like, oh, we're, oh no. We're going to edit that I out. Think... I'm definitely not letting that stay in. Um... No, we are not. <laughs> um, it's good for your humility. Do you know, I said the most awkward, I messed up the most awkward idiom a couple episodes ago. Um, I think, I, I guess we'll find out if it actually, I can't remember what I said, but I asked, it was in the episode with Father Boniface and afterwards it like kind of came back to me and I was talking with the nuns and I was like, guys, is, um, and Deacon David was here and I was like, is it, is it correct to say that I'm squirming in my skin? And they were like, oh, no. <laughs> and I think that I conflated crawling out of my skin and squirming in my seat. And I think I said that I was squirming in my skin. And they were like, that's so weird. And I was like, oh, shoot. I'm hopeful that I just said squirming, but I think I said I'm squirming in my skin. You're like okay. that guy from the, that alien from Men in Black that just takes <laughs> over the guy's skin is like falling off of it. Basically. Um, um, so not the Grand Inquisitor, but the Inquirers. Thank you. So, I don't actually so know we, if that's what they're called. That's what we call like discerners in our monastery, Inquirers. Okay. And then observers if yeah. they're yeah. In, observership. In the, in the West, in the beginning of the OCIA process, they're Inquirers. Did you say okay. OCIA? Yeah, so they're changing it from RCIA to OCIA. What What did the R stand for and what is the O? Right of Christian Initiation uh-huh. for Adults. Now it's order. So they're going through all of the sacraments. Uh-huh. So they're changed from right to order. Fascinating. The ritual book for the order of penance is just coming out here, I think, in November. So, hmm. yeah. Okay. I don't know what any of that means, but maybe you can tell me later. Yeah. We need Makes to breathe through both lungs, best, yeah. lungs, Mother. Yeah. It's a good we're learning. Um, the uh, just kidding. I, I meant that to be like a funny jab, but you kind of took it seriously. No, I wasn't even really. I listening. felt okay. I, it was probably funny. <laughs> That's probably helpful. <laughs> <novel. laughs> okay, um, I'm a chuckle. <laughs> um, so. So we have this, so that's the traditional way. 
but I and I I think that needs to be offered and upheld um, because it's good and it's it's sorry. It's what were we talking about again? Oh, the, the inquirer. Like the, the, and then the, okay, yeah, inquirer. Yeah, the, the, having having a narthex. In uh-huh. other words, having a place where people can come and participate in as much of the liturgy as they can. Uh, this traditionally, of course, would have been the, the narthex would have been emptied, emptied out. Would have been emptied out at, at before the creed. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, you you participate, and then the doors, the doors actually means lock the doors. Um, keep and like out the, the, the Jewish parallel to this would be like the court of the Gentiles, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And and but I don't know if they were ever kicked out. But other but they they certainly weren't weren't like they didn't come into the place of sacrifice as I've as I've learned. Um, so you but so you have they would have been kicked out. So that I think needs to be upheld, maintained, even empowered, so that we can say, do we have somebody that that once but right before the creed. All the catechumens and the penitents and the inquirers um, are invited to go and to have a Q&A, have a catechesis session, whatever it is. And I think that's a really good thing that our church need to bring back, and we need to do it well um, according to what the people nowadays need so that there is, we, we resist the temptation, we resist the 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 verbiage, the the wording of now you're being kicked out, which they kind of are, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but also you're being invited to learn more. Um, and so I, in my parishes, I honestly would not kick people out. I would invite them out and then say, but if you want to stay for the whole thing, feel free. Like, mm-hmm. like that's, most people are educated enough nowadays so that that's not revealing your mystery to your enemies, that the people can actually think that the process, some can't, and then we need to be careful with that. But um, I think Which in addition you did this to, very beautifully when Father Nathan Simeon was there, because since you had two priests, um, yes. whichever priest wasn't the main celebrant for that particular liturgy would leave at that point, um, like hear confessions up until that point, right? And then mm-hmm. at that point, leave and do like coffee and catechesis or whatever you, yep. I don't remember what you called it. That was know. it, coffee and pastries and, and just start that start the social earlier, but be able to do Q&A, which mm-hmm. is a very great benefit of having two priests, which was amazing. Yeah. Um, no longer, maybe one day. Um, but we also, I think, have a couple other situations that I think update this whole idea. Um, to our current situation. Um, in our parish, we have parish socials. So I think most parishes do, but what I don't think most parishes do is they don't actually invite people to the parish social and not the mass or the liturgy. So, but we do that. It's like, okay, liturgy is at 9.30, parish social um, is at about 11. So if you want to come at 11, we're all going to be hanging out and you're going to be hanging out with people that just got out of liturgy. So there's, this is a, uh, this is you didn't even come to liturgy, so the narthex, in a sense, is expanded. In to use the words of the synod, like the tense expanded to mean you don't even need to walk through the doors of the church while the service is going on. But you're going to come to the social, and we're going to keep the doors of the church open, so you can go look around at your own pace, at your own speed, no pressure. Come and eat with us, have a conversation with us, get loved on by us, and and meet some good people who 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 love you and want you to be around. But it's 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 in a sense an extra liturgical event after the liturgy is over. Then you have the situation that I think mostly traditional would be called like parish festivals or fundraisers. Here's the situation that's not tied to the liturgy where you can go to a parish property and you there's a festival that goes on or a fundraiser that goes on. So it's expected that the neighbors are there. It's expected that a bunch of non-Catholics are there, but they're there to receive something or to give something that is run by that parish. So that there's a whole nother level of of. Um, inclusion, a whole other level of revelation of what the church has to offer, et cetera. Now, what we do in in our parish is we're going to build this coffee shop so that there's, you have the neighbors, they actually come to the coffee shop 
they can come every single day. So it's not just a once a year festival or once a week fundraiser or a month a month fundraiser. It's actually a space where people can come. They, they are going to be on the parish property, but there's no pressure. You're going to come get coffee. You're going to use our Wi-Fi. You're going to you do your work. You're going to chat with your friends. And, and you just do this, but there's a certain level of inclusion or invitation because it's on a parish property. The next level may be then an off-campus coffee shop. Whaley talks about this all the time. You actually have the church puts a, a buys a storefront, leases a storefront, puts the coffee shop there, and the employees are from the parish. So they come in. You don't even need to go to a church. This is kind of like theology on tap, right? You go, you're going somewhere else, but you're you're kind of running it, but it's in a separate location. This is another level of inclusion. And then finally, you have what happened with, with me at the bar, where you have, I go to someone else's space. I go to the world, and I go to the world in its space and in a sense on its terms. So here I am trying to be an earthen vessel. Someone sent out, and, and I, I, I go into the world, and I, I sit at the bar, and it is not my space. I'm not in control. I need to be careful, and I, 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 I can share to, with, with make sure that I have strong boundaries up so I'm not revealing God's mystery to his enemies, but I, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm discerning through a prayer for wisdom the various levels of vulnerability. So in a sense, I think this may be, this may be a place where we say, I think the synod and most Catholics nowadays are, are tempted to, to lessen the church's um, understanding of the the gravity of what the Eucharist is, what a life of faith is, and we're 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 watering down our own truth for the sake of making people feel welcome, or we're watering down the the healthy boundaries that come through any relationship, even a relationship with Christ through the Church. We're watering it down instead of the the invitation that comes through. Um, understanding that boundaries are good and they are healthy in any situation, and and we you're going to feel welcomed in other ways through this whole spectrum, going all the way from I meet you out in your home, in your bar, on your street, to you're approaching the Holy of Holies to receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ Himself, and all of these things they they can be both and they can all be included together in the various levels of whatever place the Spirit's guiding someone into eventually the fullness of union, which is built into every single human being to desire and to receive. Which, quite frankly, it's a lot easier to water things down and make it so that we have the same opinion than it is to love and be in relationship with someone mm-hmm. while holding the tension of having the different the different views. Um, Absolutely. So I think that's a big part of it. Like we're just so afraid of the... Um, contention or the disagreements that were like, well, I'll just lower what I'm saying to agree with what you're saying, um, or I'll adapt it or I'll water it down or whatever, as opposed to like actually holding my convictions while still loving you. Yeah. Um, and most to, of the time, I think that's because we're not secure in our own convictions and right. we're not secure in I our own beliefs. It. And so it's like, I'm not willing to actually like stand by this and I don't know how to defend it. So I'm not even going to let those questions arise. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you with this guy at the bar, I was so tempted to to say things I know he wanted to hear, mm-hmm. like, like uh, rather than what Christ wanted to give him. Like that was a temptation. I probably even slipped into that a few times. You know, just in the in the kind of the commentary. I don't like, especially someone who said, "Hey, can I be?" 
part of your team? And I go, well, you know, it's like that, that's so hard to do. Like, hey, can I come be part of your community? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's so hard and we need the grace of Christ to, to be able to say that eloquently and to say, absolutely. And that's why I love all these various systems that we can have in place in the church to say, absolutely, brother, absolutely. Come here and, and, and Wednesday night, social begins at 7.30. Like, and there, there is no, there is nothing held back. You come at 7.30, we're going to have a fire pit. We're going to, we're going to cook up some food. We're going to have a great conversation till God only knows when in the morning and come to that. And we would love to have you. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to find out later on, well, what were you guys doing at 6.30? Well, we were doing something that, that, that is, is like an intimate part of the family. And, you know, you're more than welcome to come and and to to see what we do, like observe what we do, and and you can inquire about what we do. And then there's this these that various levels of invitation, but it's just so hard. The devil has influenced our society to say, unless you give me exactly what everybody in your organization, unless you give me what everybody in your family has, then you're it means you hate me. Mm-hmm. And you don't want me part of the group. Like, no, does that work in any other familial situation? <laughs> any right. other? It doesn't. It doesn't. And we're a family. Mm-hmm. That's great. The uh, sorry, do you have anything? I was no, gonna, I already okay. said my things. Yeah. Okay, so the, I, I think it's interesting because this document and the articles written about the document, they mention a few things that are the people that feel left out, and some of them are some of the, the people in this synod that said, you know, we feel neglected, we feel on the outskirts. Some of them are have been needs for a long time, and we need to get on this. And it's actually a scandal I can guess that we two have of them. There are three. No, there's a bunch, two. but oh. I, I, there's three, there's three that I said, here's where the problem is. But there's a bunch more, like women leader, women leadership in the church. Like oh, uh-huh. we have not been good at that. Like we, we, and we've talked this many times before. Like the w- women leadership in the church being eloquent about what that looks like. We just we struggle with so much, and and it, it's really scandalous that we have not become more eloquent about it. Whether it's whether it's empowerment or whether it's explaining, but but in some way, women's role in the church is not is not something the church has been good at. A community for people. JP two in, is JP two is pretty good at it, but Saint JP two. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely, many, many have. You've mm-hmm. been eloquent about this, but I mean, many, many people, many people have been eloquent, but but the church as a whole. Yeah, 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 I agree. Most people have no idea, and mm-hmm. I like most people would not understand that. So that's something. Obviously, those who've been pushed away by the abuses, you know, that's another thing. It's like we need to continue to work on that. I think we are doing basically a good job as someone who you know, is very involved in their eparchy safe environment stuff. Like, yes, we, we are doing much better, but that's something that needs to be worked on. There's all these things like those uh, single mothers, you know, yes, of course, we need to go out of our way. People with, with, with serious mental and physical handicaps, of course, like these are things that it's scandalous that the church has not gotten better about these things. And this should be a, a catalyst for us to, to work on these things. I think the Senate hopefully is going to do a good job of this. But there, but the, the things mentioned that I just thought, oh my gosh, are, are like Eucharist for divorced and remarried people. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I'm like, that, that, that's, that's something that, that the church needs to get better at explaining. Here's a process to come into full union. Always invited, always a process, but we cannot water that down. Um, uh, for the first time ever, I didn't know this was such a big deal. Every article I've written, and I guess the document itself for the continental stage. You mean every article you've about, read? I'm sorry. You mean every article you've read? 
What did I say? Written. Yes. Okay. Read. I read a call I've read. It, it talks about like polyamorous relationships. I did not know that was a big enough deal in the church to warrant to be part of this list. But suppose it I. is. I knew that I knew that they would come. I didn't know that that it would literally make it into a document in this in this such a prominent place. Um like the the these are things or or people that are People that are in any, I mean, obviously, all these things are are, are are around sex. Like that, that is one of the, you know, the the role of. This is what John Paul did very, very well. I thought with theology of the body, but but the 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 role of of people in in committed, I'll just put it that way, committed sexual relationships that prevent them from going to confession and receiving the Eucharist. In other mm-hmm. words, when I'm in a committed relationship, it's going to take more than just one confession. I need to change my life. Mm-hmm. And, and there are most other things that involve sin can be healed with one confession. You know, but if, if you're in a committed relationship, it, it, it needs more than that. It, it takes a certain change of behavior that, that's a long process. Because one of, the, one of the stipulations in confession is that you have the intent to change oh. this. Yeah. Right. And and so I mean it it would be very hard if someone came up to me and said, Father, if this guy came to my came to me in confession and said, Father, I'm gonna I've been married to this guy for five years and and I want to receive Eucharist today. So right now I am completely sincere. I believe the church is teaching on this. I believe that it is truth and beauty, beautiful and good um to 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 separate myself from this committed sexual relationship. And then, then I like in the confessional, like, what do I say? You know, it, w- it would be a very interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. Are you, you're literally going to move into a different room? You're literally going to move out of the house? You're literally going to tell your, your, your partner this right now? Like, like what, what exactly does it mean to be mm-hmm. completely sincere in what this? What are the practical? Yeah, yeah, what are the practical? So, anyway, so the, this is all, I think we do need to expand the tent. I do think that we need, though, we need to trust. That that the church is correct on what has been correct on for two thousand years. We need to find ways of, like you said, mother, through personal relationship, through invitation, through providing all kinds of different opportunities. And I think our own people need to spend some time in the narthex. Mm-hmm. Even those, even those who who like if if I. It's hard as a priest because I did this over a retreat. Actually, it's hard as a priest because we are mandated by the ritual to receive the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. You know, so if we celebrate the the Mass of the Liturgy, we have to receive. So it's hard for us to do it. But if like I, when I went to retreat, I didn't receive one day. I literally walked and stood in the back uh, during a retreat, and I said to my spiritual father afterwards, I said, you know, I never get a chance to separate myself from the Eucharist. That sounds very odd, and it should mm-hmm. not be a thing. But I said, you know. What what happened was the night before cigar night, um, in in my, on my balcony, I I had I had just said something to my brother priest that was that was not charitable, and it mm-hmm. wasn't it it was it was like gossip in other words, and I just thought it bugged me enough that night where the next day I said, is this? I I don't think if I received if I was a lay person I had opportunity all the time to not receive I think I'd still receive this certainly wasn't a mortal sin but but I I want the feeling of separating myself from the Eucharist out of out of sin because I sinned and become a penitent in the sense for a day I, um, I had really- that I had a very similar experience like at a liturgy here at the monastery what well, was down at the shrine but I was like I was so angry with someone who was there at the liturgy mm. um, that it was just like. I was so convicted of by um, by St. Paul's words. Like, I am not reconciled with my brother. I, I should not approach the altar. Um, and it's like really, really, really hard to do that as a nun. Um, mm-hmm. 
to 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 not receive at communion because like there are only seven of us and everyone knows if all seven yeah. of us went home, right? Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, but I think that there's a, a powerful witness there of, yeah. And so I, I, th- I think that's maybe even the place to start for those of you that are listening that are, that are Orthodox Catholics, that are, that are, are, are people like consider, consider even for like what we talked about in the involuntary sin podcast, consider stepping away from the Eucharist. If you feel unhealthy or, or, or slipping backwards in your education or somehow you, you've harmed yourself and, and need, need the mercy of God in, in a, either through time or through confession that will allow you to return to the fullness of communion. And, and I, I think people that just kind of go through the motions and receive every time, um, it can be a great witness to say, no, I, you know, yeah, yeah, I, 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 you, I, Encourage you not to receive because you're you're not you're not in that full communion through knowledge or faith or understanding or or sin or whatever it may be, and and I sometimes don't receive either. Mm-hmm. You know, I I do think there. This varies from person to person. If you're very scrupulous, then err on the side of receiving. If you're very presumptive, err on the side of not receiving. This is just a personal <laughs> thing that you need to talk to your mentor, or spiritual director about, and pray yeah. about certainly. But in general, I think it'd be good for for on, on a parish wide basis mm-hmm. to have more people not receiving just for even for one Sunday, and then go back the next Sunday if if they if they feel that they are in a sense separated enough to to as part of the process to return step away for a Sunday. Yeah, because then we're giving the message um, to those who are not are not Catholic. We're giving the message of, we're not saying that you can't receive because you don't have the name of Catholic <laughs> um, yeah. or the identity of Catholic. We're saying that, um, that you can't or shouldn't receive because um, you're in this separation. And this separation is something that I also, in my fallen nature, sometimes choose. Um, and yeah, so it's like, it's, it's not about, um, it's not about just whether or not you're Catholic. It's about like, are you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Amen. All right. Anything else, mother in no. conclusion? That's great. Any, anything Emma, else from you, Emma? Emma, any words of wisdom? No. I agree with everything that was said. Great. Oh, thank you. All right. Uh, so prayer intentions, Emma, if you want to think of one, you'll go third. So you have some time. Uh, mother doesn't know one yet either. Um, Stop telling people what's on my face. We need we need to turn this into a video podcast. It would be oh dear God no. Very no. relevant. Jesus loves me so much that when we tried it, we didn't have good enough internet. <laughs> um, um, okay, um, I'm going to ask for prayer. These things just kind of skip my mind. I have a buddy. Um, we're going to call him Matthew. Please pray for Matthew, who's struggling. Uh, please pray for uh, Connie. Just walked up. You know Connie, our our friend Connie. Uh, she's she's been around, and and Lance, her son, just had a a surgery the other day. So please pray for healing mm-hmm. for Lance, and please pray for a guy named Matthew who um who is having some uh in the in my community of people here in Southern California who's having some um pretty serious suicidal tendencies. Mm. Um, I, 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 you know, he, he's very eloquent to saying, you know, I, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't have a plan at all. It's just, it's just on my mind a lot. So please pray for him okay. and for all those who are struggling with those type of thoughts. Father Steve, uh, Father Steve Flynn sometimes will say in his homily, um, let's call him Mike. 
because that's his name. <laughs> Which is really funny. Um, obviously, he wouldn't do it for something like that. He would give a fake name, but anyways, I think that's funny. Um, please pray for um, uh, our friend Elizabeth, who's working on a documentary right now. Um, and that um, I think she's doing a lot of good work for the Lord through this documentary. And when we're doing good work for the Lord, um, the devil attacks and he doesn't like it. So please pray for her that she may have the strength to, um, and her family and everyone working on the film, that they have the strength to withstand um, any attacks that come. So, Amen. I pray for the farmers. Um, you know, it's harvest season right now, and I have some really good friends that are farmers. The The husband, the dad is, is a farmer, and then they have two little girls and the wife, and um, it's challenging. I was visiting with them last night, and you can tell that there's um, just that desire to be together as a family, um, but, you know, when farming calls and the harvest time calls, it's it puts strain, so, and I know they're not the only family, so really pray for the farmers during harvest season so thank you and i'm going to add to that also the the bartender um where well mm -hmm. i don't know i don't i don't want to give his real name so we'll just mm -hmm. call him bob um but uh please pray for bob and matthew um and connie and lance lance is connie's son okay um thank you all for listening you can find us on many different podcast um platforms uh, please also listen to Emma's podcast called Cause of Our Joy. Cause for correct? Joy. Thank you. Cause for Joy. Um, you can find that on all the platforms too, right, Emma? Yep. Yeah, okay. the majority of them. <laughs> okay, Cause for Joy. Um, and then we, uh, you can find us on our website at whatgodisnot.com. You can email us at whatgodisnotpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram with What God Is Not. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Potter Mike Lowe. We have uh, we are on YouTube audio only. We have a Goodreads page where you can see what we're reading, and it's it's beautifully moderated by our media team. Uh, we have a nonprofit called Fotina. You can see it at fotina.org. Um, we're still working on the website, but it's up. Um, and you can support us through Patreon. Just look up Patreon and then look up what God is not. You can support our evangelization, service to the poor, service of our church, all these various endeavors that we have. Um, and then I think that's it. Anything else, Mother, that I forget? I don't know. She's, she's shrugging her shoulders. Okay. Um, thank you, Emma, for joining. And love yeah. you, Mother. Love you, Emma, even though I just met you. I really love do. You. I die for you. That's how it works. That's Whoa. how it works in the kingdom of God. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Amen. All right. Father, can you give us a blessing? Sure. May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May our Lord give you listeners everything you need to be beacons and lights, salt of the earth and light of the world, earthen vessels that go out to invite people into a life of faith, of truth, of beauty, of goodness. May our Lord give you your own conviction that you may grow in holiness. May you understand that your own personal holiness is what will bring Christ to the world. The grace will overflow from you as you unite yourself with Christ to those all around you. May you find peace in that. May you find contentment in that, but also the urgency of being those who carry the word of God, the beautiful feet into the mountain of the Lord. May our Lord give you uh, repentance where you need repentance. May our Lord soften the hearts of all those around you that they may also see in you a light and may 
be prevented from any sort of scandal. May the Lord keep the devil away from your path and allow you to bring healing and light where he desires it. May the Lord give you every good thing for the upbuilding of his kingdom and for the salvation of your soul. May the Lord bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.